Hello, it's Joe. Uh, just doing the pre-episode chat. Um, no. Oh, there is a bit, little bit of news. Um, the Rainbow Hope Center uh, has closed their fundraiser because they made enough money to stay open. So that's great. Yay, we succeeded. Um, thank you very much if you donated or just watched the stream or just sent good vibes. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Rainbow Health Center means a lot to me, and I'm very happy it's staying open. Um, also, we talk a lot about Final Fantasy XIV this episode, and uh, it was just announced yesterday that the free trial starting August 11th uh, is the entire base game and the first expansion for free. Uh, so if you want to start playing it, August 11th's the time to start. It's a great game. Um, I'm not being paid. I wish I was. But uh, I just highly recommend it. It's a game I really like. Um, I made a lot of really cool friends off it. So, uh, But besides that, uh, I don't really have anything else to mention. I hope you have a great day. listeners it's joe i don't know why i always uh start off with that actually yes i do it's because i used to watch the guy with the glasses before i grew a taste anyways that's great starting uh, off with a bang this time man hell yeah so uh today we have stormy with us say hello stormy hello listeners uh autumn is here as usual yeet uh so Stormy and I know each other um, through Final Fantasy XIV, just like uh, Emily, who's been on a few times. Uh, we're all in the same free company together. Uh, we play Final Fantasy XIV together, and we're all jolly good friends and have jolly fun adventures. Yes. Uh, when our internets don't die halfway through. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But? That was the worst. Okay. I mean, everyone was everyone was super understanding, but man, actually, we need to have an episode with Emily on if we can just talk about our Final Fantasy fourteen adventures. But that is for another day. <laughs> uh, Stormy, if I recall correctly, you have somewhat of an interesting job. Yeah, it's actually not my current job because I am back in school, mm -hmm. but I have a an associate's degree in sleep medicine. Mm -hmm. So I was a sleep tech for a really long time. And pretty much everybody, I think, nowadays knows somebody that has sleep apnea or wears a CPAP mask. Do you know what that is? Yes. Um, yeah. I got tested for sleep apnea. And so you had a sleep study done. Very good. Kind of. Uh, they just gave me a thing just strapped on my face. Oh, you did the home yeah. sleep test? Nice. Uh, and they discovered, oh, you have a little bit of sleep apnea. Just sleep on your left side. Mm -hmm. um, and then they just, because I, I took it because they thought um, I was just very, I was always very tired and fatigued. So they're like, oh, well, maybe you have sleep apnea. You're not sleeping well. But no, it was just the depression and my blood being wrong. Nice. No. <laughs> no. 
my blood being wrong was quite scary. At least it's been sort of figured out, maybe? Kind of. I mean, I still sleep on my left side anyways, because I like having the wall to my back. It makes me yeah, less Apparently that's a, a common thing, is that um, like sleep doctors will recommend that you sew a tennis ball into the back of your sleeping shirts so that you don't roll over onto your back. So that, that you... Sounds- that sounds yes. so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. But, you know, whatever works, I guess. Yes. So my stories can be broken down into, like, four main categories. So I'm going to let y'all pick. Mm-hmm. We have ghost stories. Ooh. We have people are awful and disgusting. Oh. Then we have, they did that in their sleep. Um, and then last is, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> uh, let's start with that first one. Ghost stories? Yeah. Okay. So I, when I was in school, we had to do clinicals, which was basically that we would go to a hospital or a private sleep lab. Mm-hmm. And train with the people that worked there. And uh, I don't know if I should really say the name of it, but there was this one particular hospital that we had to go to mm-hmm. that they had just recently moved their sleep lab. Previously, it was in the basement next to the morgue. Hmm. So they moved it upstairs. But the area where they moved it upstairs was, there was nothing else there. And now when I say hospital at night, you think of like an emergency center or like nurses still running around and doing stuff and, you know, still some sort of bustle of activity. This place had nothing. So my friend and I, my friend and I were at this hospital And we were supposed to be there all through the night. And they didn't really let us do anything. This was one of our first clinical rotations. So really, we just had to watch. (laughs) And at uh, probably around 2 a.m., we decided to get up and take a walk because we were getting really tired and we weren't really doing anything. And so we went to walk around the floor that the sleep lab was on so we're walking through these hallways these completely deserted hallways no nurses no patients no nothing and we get to this we pass by this one room that a light is on all the the only the emergency lights are on everywhere else there's no lights anywhere mm-hmm. and so we're passing by this room that has a light on. And so we looked in the window, of course, and there's a whole bunch of hospital beds, like just pushed up against each other all along the whole entire room. Like, I don't know how they got that many beds in that room, but they did. It was just full of hospital beds. And one of the beds in the back started moving, like raising the head up like they do. Oh, And so of course we, (laughs) we scattered. We ran away really fast Mm -hmm. and 
decided to go down to the cafeteria to get something to eat, right? Right. The cafeteria is completely closed, deserted. There's no, nothing anywhere. And even the snack machines are off and unplugged. Like this place is a serious ghost town. So we're downstairs. We had to take the elevator down and um, we're standing there in the hallway trying to figure out, should we plug the snack machines back in and try to get something to eat or should we just leave it? And we start hearing footsteps coming towards us from down the hall. So we go back to the elevator. The snack machines were right there next to the elevator. We go back to the elevator. We're pushing the button as frantically as we can to try to get the elevator doors to open. And we get onto the elevator and we get back upstairs and we're talking to the the sleep techs that are there about what happened. And they were like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, we should have warned you. Do not go walking around this hospital at night. The weirdest things will happen to you. They said that when the when the sleep lab was still in the morgue that they could hear balls bouncing in the hallway and like toilets flushing when there was nobody, nobody there. Hmm. And you could hear like little kids laughing and stuff. It was terrifying. So that's my story about that hospital. And then I worked in a sleep lab. It was a private lab. So it was just like a, like in a strip center. It wasn't, really a medical facility. So I don't know why it would have been haunted. But um, my friend and I that were in school together ended up working at this place together. And we always joked that room two was haunted. There were four bedrooms. So you would walk down this long hall and you'd pass by room one, room two, room three, room four. And then at the back of the hall would be the tech room where we would sit. And I'm making a lot of hand motions that you guys can't see right now. But so basically, I'm explaining that it's a long hallway. <laughs> so we always joked that room two and room four were haunted. And I don't know how it started. I think it mostly started because when the patient is in the room, we have a speaker that we can hear them. Mm-hmm. But when all of the speakers for all of the rooms were on at the same time, you could hear knocking from room two and room four. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Weird. So we avoided using those rooms whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Room four, though, had a recliner in it. And a lot of people, a lot of the patients that we would see were severely overweight and they just weren't comfortable sleeping flat in a bed. And so they would ask to sleep in the recliner. And there was one night that we had set up room four because we were supposed to have a patient that didn't show up. So the video was on and the sound was on and everything. And we were just sitting in the tech room, minding our own business. And the chair started moving. It was one of those, like you press the button and it lifts you up chairs Mm -hmm. and it started moving on its own. (laughs) That's really terrifying. Oh, yeah. And then another night I was working there by myself and I had used rooms one and two because I had two patients. 
so I had them in rooms one and two. And I was making, if it was the next morning, I was making the bed in room two. And I started getting this feeling like something was watching me. And there was like a shadow on the wall outside, on the hallway wall outside of the room. And I started getting really, 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 really freaked out. And all of a sudden, I heard my friend open the front door to the sleep lab and say, hey, I'm here. Like, she was working in a different lab that night. Mm -hmm. And we had been talking about, you know, running behind and making beds and whatever. And I thought, oh, okay, well, she came to help me make beds. And I was like, oh, thank goodness she's here because I'm getting really freaked out. And so I went to go say hi to her and there was nobody there. So that was really weird. Oh. Yeah. I had a patient die one night, but then nothing I'm, ever happened after that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. No, go back. You can't just drop that. <laughs> what? So this guy had a really, really severe COPD. He was in the hospital on a ventilator, but his insurance would not pay for him to have a sleep study in the hospital. So the hospital released him. His wife brought him to the sleep lab to have his sleep study done. And so I'm setting him up. I'm doing all his stuff and he's on his oxygen and everything else. And I'm watching all of his brain waves. I'm watching his breathing. I'm watching his oxygen saturation. And everything is just going downhill. And I am frantically trying to keep up with this guy to keep him basically ventilated with a CPAP machine, which is not what they do. And um, so he gets up to use the restroom. and. I help him to the restroom. His wife stayed with him. That's not usually supposed to happen, but there was no way I was letting this guy stay on his own. Mm -hmm. His wife stayed with him and she helped him actually in the bathroom. And then I helped him back to his room and back to his bed. He sits down on the bed and starts to fall over. And so this is a big guy. He's a big, big guy. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of have to just, help him gently fall to the ground. And I had been a sleep tech for about two years at this point, but I had just started at this new company. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have access to anything in the computers yet. Like there's policies and procedures of what to do in emergency situations. I didn't have access to any of that. So I couldn't look anything up, like what to actually do. So I had to just go by memory of what I knew from my last job. And so I, you know, I grabbed the phone, I call 911 and I'm giving him, um, you know, I'm doing CPR on him. Hmm. And his wife is just, why is this happening? What's going on? Why is this happening? And this place was in an off, like an actual office building. It was on the second floor of this office building. So I had to send her downstairs to open the door for the EMTs when they got there. Then their gurney got stuck in the elevator. Of course. Yeah. Oh, 
so they finally get there. They finally get in the room. And I got off the phone with 911 because I was still on the phone with 911. And I basically just let them take over. They pulled all of his wires off and everything. And I started trying to call my manager because according to what I knew, that was the next step. Basically, you've got to tell somebody what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't answer and he doesn't answer and he doesn't answer and he doesn't answer. And so I ended up having to, um, the gurney got stuck in the elevator again. So I had to help his wife down the stairs and out to the lobby so that she could ride in the ambulance with him. And um, this whole time that all of this is happening, and this is all spread out over a couple of hours, the whole time that this is happening, I have another patient that is asleep down the hall. Oh no. Yeah. And apparently I found out from my manager later that that other patient who was getting their CPAP machine. So like I was trying to figure out how much CPAP pressure they needed mm-hmm. while all of this was going on. That person told my manager that that was the best night's sleep that they had ever had while a guy was dying next to them. Oh no. And they had no idea. So I tried to quit after that. Cause I mean, how do you deal with that? Really? Yeah. But she wouldn't let me because apparently I did a good job. So that's, that's the most of the ghost stories. There were other people that had more interesting ghost stories, but those are the only ones that I really ever had. But the guy that died never seemed to haunt me, so I guess he didn't blame me. It's probably haunting the, uh, the guy who was bragging about his sleep. Yeah, there you go. Or the insurance people who said he couldn't stay in the hospital for his sleep study. Right. He was, he was probably just about to haunt you, and he was like, wait a minute. Best sleep, best night's sleep of your life, huh? <laughs> well, let's keep it that way. Yeah. yeah, so after that, anytime I had a patient that had COPD, I would get really, really scared. Uh, reminder, what is COPD? Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Basically, it's just really, really hard to breathe. It's like having constant pneumonia. Ah. And and it just gets harder and harder and harder to breathe. Their lungs is, just stop working. Is that the thing that a lot of people are ending up with after yeah. they survive Corona? There's, there's a lot of studies that are showing that that might potentially be a thing that mm. people are stuck with. Mm-hmm. But um, apparently stroke is a huge a huge thing with Corona that it's not part of the. Great. Uh, earlier reminder. I know this usually goes at the end of the episode, but uh, wear your fucking mask. Uh, if you live in the Fuck United, where? if you live in the United States, the government's going to lie to you because long story short, uh, hospitals are not allowed to report to, uh, the CDC anymore. Something, but I think it's something that they're they're working on figuring out. Uh, they have right now. They have to report to a um, a private company, which Trump just said 
here, you're in control of this now, and they report to him, which mm-hmm. isn't sketchy in the least. Oh, not at all. Yeah. I totally so, trust that. So, wear your mask. <laughs> For the love of God. Fucking wear it. Wear yes. your mask. Exactly. My God. I got it. I got a sewing machine and started sewing for the very first time ever just so I could make masks for my family when all this very first started. We've been wearing our masks religiously through this whole thing. Um, The only time I haven't worn my mask is when I forget to grab it when I walk out to grab the mail. Mm -hmm. And then I have a backup mask in my car in case Mm -hmm. I forget. I have three masks in here, which I try to rotate through. I have my delightful uh, mini washing machine, which I use to wash my masks. Mm-hmm. Along with everything else. Uh, Very good. That's something that a lot of people don't realize that they need to do is to either change or wash their masks. Like if they're using the disposable masks, mm-hmm. you can't use that multiple days in a row. That's not how those works. They're disposable for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A lot of people don't understand that concept, though. I don't. Well, I mean, there's reasons. <laughs> Frugality is something that's highly uh, respected. Yes. But... Which is why I decided to make our masks. Yes. Because. You know, you can buy a mask for fairly cheap, but I was able to get some cheap fabric and make a lot of them. And so we are able to then have different sizes and different styles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like mine, because I have to wear it for school all day long, Mm -hmm. they start to hurt my ears. And so there's those ear saver things that are the buttons or whatever, but I just made myself one that goes around my head. Mm -hmm. And so... um, it has a strap that goes around my neck and then another one that goes around the top of my head. So like if I'm in the car, if I've come out of the grocery store or something, I just take that top strap off and it hangs around my neck. And then, you know, the next place I go or whatever, I just pull it back up and then pull it back down and super easy. Uh-huh. I like that something one. That pisses me off to no end when I go shopping. And they don't have their noses covered? Is that it? They don't have I- their noses covered or someone will walk up to talk to them and they will pull their mask down to talk to someone yeah. and put it back up, which defeats the purpose of the fucking mask. Naughty the fuck. The point yeah. of the mask is so you don't spread it. Well, but even the act of touching the mask and having your hand so close to your face yeah. and breathing on your hand, and then you go around touching everything in the store, yeah. or you are scanning groceries if you're the person that's scanning the groceries. Oh my gosh, that makes me so crazy. Yeah. Uh, a couple times it's been the person stocking food and I make sure to notice what food they're stocking so I don't go don't near that. get it. Yes, exactly. Uh, also, at a store near me yesterday, or not yesterday, but near me recently, mm-hmm. um, a guy was told, hey, you need to put on a mask. So he pulled a gun and threatened a bunch of people and the cops had to like run him down. So those kind of stories, I just don't get, I just don't get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're in like 
telling someone to wear a mask is infringing on their freedom, right? Okay. But so then that store also has the freedom to say that you can't be in our store without a mask. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like that's how freedom works. Right. I like, I just don't get it. (laughs) I like there's a, um, uh, there's a suggestion that's going around the internet as a joke that uh, grocery stores should hire the bouncers at bars. I to... saw that earlier. Yeah, and it, you know what? That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. The bouncers are out of work. They need jobs. They'll keep the stupid idiot anti-mask people out, and they'll take care of it, and the people that work at the grocery store can just go back to working at the grocery store. Yeah, just one at each entrance and maybe one or two walking throughout the uh, store. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be that hard. And, no. like, that would help with the economy. More people are uh, getting jobs. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Just smart. Though I think <laughs> uh, locally, I think most of the bouncers are just the bartenders just taking shifts. Yes. I don't know how, I don't know what's going I haven't been anywhere, so I don't really know what's going on around here, mm-hmm. except that our governor is saying that stuff needs to start shutting down again because we opened way too soon. And yeah. Texas is like crazy number of cases every single day. And they're talking about sending the kids back to school, mm-hmm. which is just dumbfounding horrifying uh if any teachers listen to this i don't think they do but maybe this is the episode that gets huge uh ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, if anyone i'm gonna make sure it doesn't uh <laughs> go on strike for real yeah like, not a, so what's gonna happen when a teacher is exposed at their home at their at the it, it doesn't even have to happen at school but let's say a teacher gets exposed and they have to quarantine for 14 days or whatever how are they going to even find the substitutes to cover those teachers yeah but also then does the class does the entire class have to have to quarantine because i've been seeing stuff about daycares that someone comes in contact at a daycare and the kids in that class are then split up into other classes. Yeah. So those kids that have been exposed are now split up into multiple other classes to expose those kids to. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if the school's open, it's going to be a matter of a week or two, maybe three, before they're closed again. My If the school's reopen. A bunch of people, like, an unbelievably large number of people will die. Like, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. I was reading something the other day about the the whole 1% fatality rate thing. and Uh, It's much higher than a 1% fatality rate. Well, that still doesn't take into account the law of large numbers. Yeah. How How many people are there actually that then 
if it is, like, let's just say it's as small as 1%, how many people does that still involve? And all these people that are saying that kids aren't as much at, at risk as adults, uh -huh. what if we find out that that's because the kids have been at home <laughs> and that when they are back together in large groups, that our knowledge of that completely changes and kids are just as high risk. Uh-huh. Hey, you know what kids are really bad at doing? Social distancing? Following the rules. On their faces, not being like, ooh, I really like your mask. I want to try it on. Or oh, here, oh, let's share this thing that I just took a bite of. Or God, that's what hundred percent gonna happen. Kids are gonna swap masks. Oh yeah. Oh that's yeah. And they and won't you know what? My five-year-old was mad at my 16-year-old earlier. Uh -huh. You know what she did? She coughed on her on purpose. Huh. Yeah, no, that's also going to be something. If you oh, think for a minute that kids are not going to lick their hands and, and then face other, other kids to slap them, mm -hmm. you need yeah. to... You, you don't know how kids work. Yeah, exactly. And you do not need to be running the education system in our country. <laughs> Yeah, so we have the option to keep our kids home and do online do learning. Do it, do or it, do it, do it. To send them back. My kids have all lobbied. Like they want to go back. And I just nope. Sorry guys. I'm really sorry. Like Good. maybe after Christmas, depending on how things go. Ugh. But yeah, I'm not I'm not even willing to make that. I'm, I'm not even willing to say that for sure. Yeah, so. uh, I am teleworking until January, I have been informed. And I yeah. am a-okay with that. You know what's going to be fucking weird? Is going when, back to work. <laughs> when, when all of this is over, being in close proximity to anybody. Yeah, I swear I'm developing... What is it? Is it agoraphobia? When you're Agoraphobia is wide open places. That I'm afraid of that, but um, what's the one where you're afraid of crowds? I'm afraid of crowds. Oh, um, I don't remember what it's called. I yeah. thought it was agoraphobia, but no, that's yeah, that's 100% also something I think a lot of people are developing. Yeah. Like the concept of going on a bus or a train is mm -hmm. so oof, weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I've already had issues with all this stuff. This is this whole thing is just enabling my mental health issues yeah like, <laughs> so i after this i'm just never gonna leave my room i know this is where i this is where i will always be now isolating is the best except that you know i have so many kids around <laughs> well i so, mean before all this i like i would used to jokingly say i'm so bad at meeting people i'm probably mm -hmm. never gonna make out with anyone ever again mm -hmm. at this point i think that might happen uh, I'm going to yeah, be so I afraid of meeting that. people. <laughs> That's so funny. I I don't know. If I didn't have Muffin with me, though, I think I would have gone completely mad by this point. Yeah, the kids probably keep me sane as much as they drive me insane. It's like a, it's, it's a balancing act. Muffin's also very good at figuring out when I'm having, like, a panic attack and jumping up and, like cuddling with me that's good well, my 
That's why I adopted her and I spent years training her to do that, huh? Yeah. Our little dog that I sent you pictures of, Liza, she was a therapy dog before we rescued her. And so she's really good about that kind of stuff. Like she can, she knows that I'm not feeling good. So she's like sitting under my feet right now. And she, if you're sad or if you're anxious or whatever, she will come up and give you all the lovings. She is the sweetest little thing. But her first owners, who she was a therapy dog for, got in a car accident with her. Oh no. And so she lost one of her back legs and her jaw got broken. Uh-huh. So she has a constant snaggle tooth smile. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's the sweetest thing. And she gets around just great on her one little or her three little legs. And she doesn't jump on the furniture because she can't. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really nice. She's perfect for us. She sounds like a perfect little doggy. She is. She's so sweet. So our church has opened up. Oh no. In a, a limited capacity. It's very, very, very limited. But our our priest is allowing singing, where a lot of churches have, have cut that out completely. There's no singing at all. Because that's a great way to project. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so the music director at our church keeps asking me if I will step in and sing because I used to, mm-hmm. but I just, just so uncomfortable. Number one, being in the church with even, I think it's 20% capacity or 25% capacity. That makes me crazy nervous. And then touching the music stands and the microphones and everything else that everybody has been using before me. I just, and then having to sing with my mask on, still, like, I, just the thought of all the germs <laughs> projecting from my own mask. I can't imagine how many germs are being projected by the congregation that is singing and the person that was singing before. And I feel so bad for saying no, but I just, I can't do it. I cannot do it. It makes me so nervous. Remember back around Easter when like Aaron was talking about like reopening churches for it? Oh yeah, we're gonna be back like, in church for Easter. Yeah. yeah, I would be so afraid of that because uh, in the town I live, we have four uh-huh. churches. Uh huh. So like, that was just like, that's just so many people getting together. Yes, exactly. Ugh, it just makes me nervous. But. I was- I'll never get over that we have four churches in one town. Well, are there are are they all different denominations at least? I can't fully tell. It's all <laughs> forms different kinds of Christianity, or the same kind. They don't. They're all kind of named similarly. So. Okay. Yeah, we have quite a few. Alvin is pretty small, and we have quite a few churches, for as small as we are. A lot of our churches are Baptist. We have a lot of Baptist churches. I know at least a couple of ones here are Baptist. Since the lessons have gone out, I don't remember what they're called anymore. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Joe, tell me about your 
how it was sticking that thing on your face for your sleep study. Oh, uh, that was back during the bad time, so I don't really remember much. Um, it was just like a little rebreather thing with a bunch of extra weights and stuff. And I remember being more concerned about how many nights I was going to have to wear this because I had a date coming up. Oh, okay. Uh, and I didn't want to cart it with me to my date's place in case I stayed the night there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just one night. Just show up, strap it to my face, fall asleep, give it back to the next night. Um, yeah. Un- unfortunately, there's not much of a, a story. story. I was. It was around when uh, Pokemon Go came out because I remember getting there and discovering there was a bee drill nearby and being a little bit late to my uh, returning scheduled time because I had run off to catch a bee drill. How funny! That's cute. But I think yeah, there's not much to it. But uh, I gotta say, I just gotta hear about that. Uh, they do what in their sleep, or not? Not the gross one. There's so there's they did they did that in their sleep, and then there's oh that's what that is. Uh, they did that in their sleep. Sounds okay. more interesting. So, so they did that in their sleep, and oh, that's what that is. Are very kind of intertwined. So I might get into some oh, that's what that is, but. Okay. So have you ever heard of somebody that, um, you know, like gets up and walks around or does stuff mm-hmm. while they're sleeping? Uh, in college, I discovered when I was off on trips with the uh, band that I would occasionally wake up in the middle of the night or like pseudo wake up in the middle of the night and repack my bag. <laughs> so I would wake up and everything would be packed nice and neat and that's really yes. funny. Yes, I have heard of that. Okay. So that is a REM behavior disorder. So when you're sleeping, you go through stage one, stage two, stage three, mm-hmm. uh, and then your REM sleep. Stage three used to be stage three and four, but they combined them, whatever. Um, so your REM sleep is when you dream, right? Uh-huh. Most people know that. Uh, but so what a lot of people don't know is that when you go into your REM sleep, your hypothalamus in your brain secretes a hormone that causes you to be paralyzed. Right. So that you don't act out your dreams. Mm-hmm. So a REM behavior disorder is basically when that hormone either gets released at the wrong time or does not get released at all. So then you act out your dreams. And that can be something as simple as like, you know, talking in your sleep or actually getting up and moving around and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But there was one night I had the sweetest little old lady, this teensy, 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 tiny black woman. Mm -hmm. And she is just the whole time that I'm, I'm putting all of her wires and things on. She's just like, oh, praise Jesus, honey. You are just the sweetest thing. And oh you know, Jesus and I love Jesus and Jesus bless you. And, you know, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So um, she's in bed. I'm watching her sleep nice and peacefully. And 
when we're watching someone sleep, you know, we say watching them sleep, there's a video, but it's a really low quality video. So it's mostly just so we can see if they're laying on their back or their left or the right or whatever. Right. What we're mostly watching is their brain waves to see how deep asleep they are. Hmm. So this woman goes nicely through her stage one, stage two, stage three. She's been in stage three for a while. So I know that REM is coming up. These second that she goes into her REM sleep, this teensy, teensy, tiny, and she, I think she was in her 80s. She was really, really old. The second that she goes into her REM sleep, she sits straight up in the bed, screaming and cursing like a sailor, you motherfucker, son of a blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, like going crazy. And the lab that I was at that night was the four bedroom lab. And so there were, three other patients that all woke up. Oh, wow. And we're trying to figure out what in the world was happening. And so she did that for a good two or three minutes. And then I guess her hypothalamus kicked in and started secreting her hormone. And she just laid right back down and just stayed asleep, just like nothing happened. That was really fun. Then there was another night that I had a patient that they knew that he had a REM behavior disorder. That was a known thing. And that was why he was having his sleep study done. Mm -hmm. So my instructions, whenever that happens, is that I have to actually physically go into the room and watch them while they're having whatever episode they have to make sure that they don't hurt themselves, but also to make sure that I can document clearly everything that happens. Because like I said, the cameras aren't super great. So that's that's very scary. It is extremely scary. What's even more scary is that this guy, this night, he started, he went into REM sleep and he started moving around. So I, I got up and I went into his room as quick as I could. And he somehow had gotten turned around in the bed was on his hands and knees staring at the door, like at the foot of the bed where I was standing. And he had his head down on his hands and knees. He has his head down and like really slowly he lifts up his head and his eyes get all wide. And he just goes staring at me. And he just started making this really, really scary noise. And the only thing that I could think of when he was doing that was like Ghostbusters. Remember those the dogs in Ghostbusters that were like the scary dogs that chased down, um, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Anyways, that was all, all I could think of was like a, a, a demon dog because he was on his hands and knees and growling at me. And so I just had to stand there and write down patient staring and growling on his hands and knees. That was really scary. Um, there was another time that it, it wasn't technically while he was asleep, but I was putting all the wires on the patient and I was talking to him. And I had just read an article about sleep paralysis, which if you've ever experienced it is extremely, 
extremely terrifying. Yep. Have you? I have. Interesting. Was it when you were like college age? Uh, throughout my life. Okay. So it's happened multiple times. Yes. Interesting. So did you know what was happening when it happened? Uh, first few times, no. But then I okay. found out that that was a thing. Yeah. Did it get better after you knew that it was a thing? I think so. Okay. So I had this patient one night that I just read an article about sleep paralysis. And so I was talking to him about it while I was putting all his wires on. And I was telling him that what it is, is it's related to the um, being paralyzed in your REM sleep. So basically what happens is you wake up out of your REM sleep and your body is still paralyzed so that you don't act out your dreams. Mm-hmm. But your brain doesn't know that that's why you're paralyzed. And so it kind of makes up its own idea why you're paralyzed. So a lot of people that have it report like witches sitting on their chest or like some other kind of scary being, which is why they're paralyzed. And so I was telling this guy this, and I was telling him that uh, apparently a lot of sleep techs and sleep doctors and sleep professionals think that that's where the UFO stories come from. Like being abducted in your sleep, it's really that you're you're just having a sleep paralysis episode and your brain is coming up with this elaborate scenario of why you can't move. Mm-hmm. And this guy started crying, like sobbing, crying while I was telling him this. And I was like, whoa, dude, like, are you okay? Like, did I say it? What, what is happening here? And so he finally managed to tell me that when he was in college, this guy's in like his 40s. When he was in college, this happened to him. But he didn't know what it was. And he tried telling people about it. And they all thought he was crazy. And so he had spent, you know, a good 20 years of his life thinking that he was insane because of this one thing that happened this one time. And he was so relieved (laughs) to find out that it was a normal thing that happens to normal people Mm -hmm. that he just started busting out crying. I felt so bad for him. Oh, well, I'm I'm happy you got an answer finally. I know. It was really sweet. Um, One night I had a patient that had really, really severe sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. And one of the symptoms of sleep apnea is snoring. Yes. Because basically like your, your throat starts to collapse. And Mm -hmm. so this guy, oh my gosh, this guy, um, he's sleeping and I, I've had to turn off his microphone because he was in the room that was farthest away from the tech room, but I could hear him snoring all the way down the hall. And it was really just like this, (gasps) (gasps) like, like he was choking. And then he'd stop. And then all of a sudden he'd like. (laughs) So he's doing that for half the night, basically. And his sleep apnea was so bad that I went into his room and put the CPAP mask on him in the middle of the night. Because Mm -hmm. it was like an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. 
And <laughs> so I put the mask on him. And after we put the mask on, what the CPAP is, is it basically forces air down your nose and throat mm-hmm. to act like a stent to hold your throat, to hold your airway open. And so what my job then is, is to figure out how much of a stent you need to keep your airway open. Mm -hmm. And in the business, once we get you to that kind of magic number where you're breathing normally and you're going through your sleep cycles normally and everything is is getting to where it should be, we say that you're fixed. Mm -hmm. And so... In the morning, I went in to wake him up and he looks at me and he's like, what did you do to me last night? I feel amazing. And I didn't really know what to say, except I I fixed you. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I was kind of explaining, you know, what would happen next, that somebody from our company would be contacting his insurance to see about getting him approved for the CPAP mask and the CPAP machine, and that then he would, you know, be figuring out how to receive the CPAP machine so that he could sleep like that every night. Mm-hmm. And so he says, wait a minute, I'm not sleeping with that thing on my face every night. And I was like, well, you know, if you, if you want to get good sleep, you're going to need to. Mm-hmm. And he says, how am I supposed to get a woman in my bed if I have that thing on my face? And just kind of instinctually I probably shouldn't have because it's not really good customer service but I was like how do you get a woman in your bed if you're going <laughs> all night long <laughs> that showed yeah. up real quick <laughs> Fair. you just you just don't pull it out till after you've done the deed and then you're exactly. like oh by the way I have to this crank, crank. yeah and and you're welcome by the way because you won't have to listen to me choking all night yeah so I think those are probably the most interesting. That's what that, or they did that in their sleep stories. I did hear a story once though about um, a guy that had really severe PTSD mm. that he, during his sleep study, stood on top of the bed and dove like he was diving out of a helicopter or like off a cliff or something. And went headfirst into the wall. Oh no. I don't know what ended up happening with that because it, you know, secondhand story, but I thought that was pretty interesting. I did have an Alzheimer's patient one night that, um, you know, putting all the wires and everything on takes a good, you know, 30, 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. It usually took me longer because I would start talking. Right. And that would make me slow down. But um, so this Alzheimer's patient, um, I managed to get all of his wires on him and everything was going good. And he got into bed and he went to sleep. And then in the middle of the night, he woke up just a little bit and I saw him wake up and I ran to his room as fast as I could. And this is literally just like two, two doors down, like two, two rooms away. So I got there really fast. But by the time I had gotten there, he had grabbed his whole ponytail of wires and just ripped them, every single one of them, off. So I had to do his whole whole hookup all over again. And the poor thing was 
so confused, but his wife stayed with him. So she was able to help him, you know, kind of understand what was happening. But so then every time after that, if I saw him start to wake up in the slightest, <laughs> I ran to his room and I did end up having to put his wires back on twice that night. That was fun. That was real fun. <clears throat> Sounds like it. Mm -hmm. well, you might be able to explain this phenomena to me. So I seem to have the unusual ability to still do stuff while I'm asleep. Mm -hmm. um, it happened at my old job, which I hated, uh, during extremely boring meetings, is I would fall asleep, but then I would still participate in the meeting. Uh -huh. Like, I was aware that I was doing stuff, but I was also 100% asleep. Um, and so I... Go ahead. And I know I've done it because Final Fantasy fourteen. I've fallen asleep during dungeons. <laughs> and still made it through the dungeon? Yeah. Luckily, I was doing uh, Mechanist, and it was a lower-level dungeon, so I didn't really have much for rotation. Right. I have a MMO mouse, so it's pretty much just click, running click, click. my thumb up and down in a pattern, which I had apparently memorized. That's good. Oh, man, like, side note, Mechanist is really fun when you get to higher levels. Is it? I have. I have. I don't even remember if I've unlocked that uh, one. You have to be. It's just. Um, you have to have. Um, oh, what's the first expansion? Uh, Heaven's Word. Yeah, you just have to have Heaven's Word unlocked. Like if you've. If maybe you've got, I have unlocked it. Yeah, you just have to go up and talk to a guy, and he's just like, "Okay, yeah, you're a mechanist now." Yeah. Um, I don't think I've played it much though. So it's. It's fun when you get to higher levels. Um, there's a lot of abilities which uh, don't share a cooldown with anything else. Oh. And are off global cooldown. Nice. And um, the bonus resource you get, which is heat, which generates um, powers up an ability, which reduces cooldown on two other abilities. Uh, wow. There's just a lot... When you get to around at around sixty two where I am right now, um, if I time everything correctly, I'm putting out a good uh, thirty to forty seconds of just solid DPS. Awesome! If I like rotate through it, anyway, it's fun. Mechanist is fun. Everyone should play Final Fantasy fourteen. It's a very fun game. Uh, the fact that you can switch classes means there's always something to do. Uh, there's no limits on crafting and gathering, so you can just level all of them. Story's good and memorable, except for ARR. But August 11th, uh, they're fixing a lot of uh, the base game, and apparently they're going to streamline a lot of it. So I'm so excited. No more so 20 quests to like fighting Titan. Oh, God. Six of which were about finding cheese. I don't. Oh, I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah, that's the um the dungeon during part of it is uh, one faction of goblins is really mad at another fa faction of goblins for giving away the recipe to cheese, so you have to go save a bunch of them. I since the long since I played base game. Yeah, it's not. I don't think I've actually. I think last time I played it was like a little bit before Heaven's Word came out. Yeah. And then, God, the uh, 2.x, all of the stuff between base and Heaven's Word, 
is very not great. Yeah. Uh, they're fixing that too. But the last couple of quests but before AR and Heavensward, just those last three or four are so good. They so make up for it. They really like, do. Like the hour long cutscene. That's not a joke. There's like an hour long of just cutscenes and uh, brief discussion. It's so good. Uh, it really is so good. Everyone should play. I love, I love Final Fantasy XIV. Um, August eleventh, newest patch comes out. It's adding a bunch of good stuff. You should play. It. Um, but yeah, I uh, I was able to play a dungeon while asleep. Uh, how was I able to do that? So it's actually really, really common to be asleep and not even realize that you are. Mm-hmm. So um, you know. I, was talking about sleep stages earlier. There's the one, the two, the three, and then your REM. Mm-hmm. You can be as deep asleep as stage two sleep, and like your brain waves show that you are in stage two sleep and still be able to function. Hmm. And one of the only reasons that I know that is in school, we had to practice on each other. And um, so it was my turn that I got, I got hooked up. And I was in bed and I was just, you know, trying to relax. I knew I was not going to be able to fall asleep. I knew I was not. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we only recorded for like, I think it was 30 minutes or something. And I get up and they're taking all the wires off and everything. And they were like, you got into stage two sleep. And I was like, no, I didn't. And I recounted every single thing that every person said. And like, I could hear footsteps walking by. I recounted every place that everybody went in exact detail. And then went back and looked at my own brainwaves. And I was in stage two sleep. That's rad. Yeah. So um, the, the, when you're really, really tired, and you kind of like feel your eyes rolling around in your head a little bit. You know that that level of tired? Yes. That's stage one sleep. Huh. That is classic stage one sleep. And one of the reasons that they say to count sheep to help yourself fall asleep is because when you're doing that, that eye rolling movement, it mimics stage one sleep. And so then it, kind of tricks your brain into thinking, oh, I'm already asleep, so might as well actually be asleep. So yeah, you can be you can be awake and or not awake, but aware as deep as as stage two sleep because your brain doesn't really shut off is not really the right way to say it, but uh become unaware of your surroundings until you're as deep as stage three sleep. And stage three is when um, your body secretes all of its growth hormones, and uh, so when when people say, "Oh, you look like you grew up overnight," like you actually do, because that's when your hormones are released. And when you're sick, that's when your body heals itself, and all that kind of stuff is stage three sleep. So when you're feeling really, really, really tired, it's probably because you're not getting enough of that restorative stage three sleep when you have a lot of memory problems that's because you're probably not getting enough of your REM sleep 
because in your REM sleep is when your brain kind of takes everything from the day and says, okay, I'm going to sort this into long-term, this goes into short-term, this stays here, this does that. And so then when you, when you have memory problems, it's because your brain isn't sorting your memories correctly. I can talk about sleep for like ever. <laughs> uh, you should. Uh, I'm such a nerd about it. <laughs> Uh, it's almost like you went into a profession where you uh, kind of like that. <laughs> uh, anyways, this has been going on for a while, so we're just gonna have to uh, have you come back someday. Okay. Okay. Uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Stormy, so much for uh, guesting. It really means a lot. Thank You're you, very, Joe, for listening to me ramble. Uh, thank you for being, I think, our most loyal listener. Uh, you know, I don't know. I might be, but I you're, uh, you and I think you're the only person who's listened to every episode or close to it because I don't think Amy listens to the episodes uh, she is on. Oh, I don't know that I'm going to listen to this episode because I don't exactly. know if I want to hear my own voice. <laughs> I never listen to these episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just close my eyes and edit at random. <laughs> And it comes out great. Yes. I, that way. I'm not exactly sure how closing my eyes would stop me from hearing it, but what do you <laughs> anyways, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, thank you listeners for listening. Um, wear your masks. Uh, it's only going to, if you're in the United States, it's only going to get worse. I don't know about uh, other countries because I'm kind of focusing on not dying here right now, but uh, I hope you all have a great day. Uh, Black Lives Matters, and uh, yeah, I hope things are going well for you. Bye.